heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Well, hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of YWC Football Talk. Uh, I know it's been a while. Um, I know there were some serious events. I'm going to get right into it. Look, you see the screen if you're watching on YouTube. It says Tom Brady. Um, I was going to record last week. I really wanted to get my thoughts in. Just I had a lot of stuff come up that's like personal to do outside of the podcast. Uh, before I say anything else, look, I just want to come on here and say thank you, Tom. Like, hell of a career. Goat. Reason why I watch football. I also kind of say, too, it's the reason why I do this podcast. Um Tom Brady pretty much is just the reason why I love football. It's made me the fan I am today. Tom, thank you for everything you've done. I, I think he's done. I don't think there's any coming back. Um, I can talk more about him. There'll be a lot of talk about Tom this offseason. But we have the Super Bowl this week, folks. We have the Super Bowl this week here on YWC Football Talk and the NFL as a whole. This edition of YWC Football Talk is always presented by SidelineShop.ca. All your jersey needs, guys. Link in the bio. Tell them Griff sent you for your jersey. But – Making their first, they won a playoff game this year. This team has gone on a run. I remember talking to this guy back in July. I remember thinking he was high on the Bengals. He's a Bengals fan. He has every right to be. Look, he's from Cincinnati. Uh, I remember two years ago, I just knew it was Who Day Nation News. I didn't know his full name. A week before they drafted Joe Burrow. Now, here we are, literally two years later, and the Bengals are going to be the AFC representative for the Super Bowl. As I get rid of the subtitle, as I get rid of the Tom Brady talk, it's Griff. It's Jordan Sports Suit Hyde Show. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing really, really good. Honestly, the when I was, you know, when you got when you messaged me about coming on the show, I did not think the next time I was going to be on the show was going to be a Super Bowl preview of the Bengals. It's just kind of surreal. It seems like a dream. Exactly. Like that's the thing, because I remember you and I talked last in July, and it was I'll be honest with you. I had the Bengals finishing around six and eleven, and you were here saying we're going to surprise some people. We're going to shock the world. The defense has really impressed me. Look, Jamar Chase has just been an absolute stud. As I'm going to put the as I as I like to say now, look, I have the fancy subtitles. That's what you get when you pay with Streamyard. Shout out to Streamyard. But um, with this team as a whole, like there was just so many points this year where I was like, okay, cool. If they do this, I'll believe in them. There's obviously the game where you guys got killed by Cleveland, but then you kill the Ravens twice. You've owned the Steelers the last three games you played against them. Kansas City win week 17. This is just, I don't want to say it's the start of a dynasty, but this team to me just has like, you know, that vibe where you get where it's like everything's going right and it's just everything is clicking. That's what the Bengals are right now. And I've said this for a long time. You get that this time of year. That's something to watch out for. You know, when you look at this team, it's it's crazy that we're in this position because last year when we had the Monday night uh, football victory against the Steelers, at that point, honestly, last year, it felt like being the Steelers was like a Super Bowl victory because during 2016 to 2020, it was horrible being a Bengals fan. And now we're actually playing the Super Bowl. And with the dynasty part, I mean, look at Burrow, you know, Tyler Boyd, Mixon, Higgins, Chase. I mean, those all those guys are like 26 years and younger. Look at our defense. It is 
Despite us being in the Super Bowl, it's one of the most underrated defenses in the league. Shadobi Awuzie, Trey Hendrickson, who when we signed him, I was so ticked off. I, I thought it was a horrible signing. He's made me look so stupid. I'm so glad he's been, you know, great for us. Sam Hubbard, who's normally known for, you know, being a run stopper, has you know put up a decent amount of sacks this year. Mike Hilton coming from Pittsburgh, you know, has been really, really good. Even guys like Eli Apple, who honestly I didn't even think was going to make the team, has been a very, very nice uh, corner for us. It's so crazy that we're in this position. And in fact, like we pretty much, for the most part, all of our guys are coming back next season. So what's, I don't think there's anything stopping us next year to being in this uh, close situation like we are right now. Exactly. The other guy I want to shout out on the defense who I really like is Logan Wilson too. And also I know Sam Hubbard, local, local Cincinnati guy. Um, that's a thing next year with this, with your division before we get into any other talk. Um, the only real competition, look, the Browns, I, I don't want to figure out right now. They've got a lot of question marks surrounding them. Pittsburgh is – I think Pittsburgh is what they – they are who we thought they were. They're my Dennis Green team, if you if you remember that famous quote from 2006. It's really the Ravens. That's the only team I think if they're healthy, they can be the competition. But besides that, it's like one of the – and also, too, I always say this in sports. Now I know I'm a Patriots fan, so I've been a little spoiled over the years of Super Bowls. But I always love seeing that, you know, that new team. Like, this is like, I know we're going all over the place. This is a new team, though, that has a chance to win. I know it's your team playing. But from my perspective, I'm going to be happy with who either wins. Because, look, the Bengals never won a Super Bowl. And the Rams haven't won since 2000. I know the Rams were there three years ago. But once you guys beat Kansas City, I was just like, look, if it's you guys against San Francisco, all those rematches from the 80s, or you guys in the Rams, Look, at the end of the day, someone's going to be hoisting that trophy on Sunday, and I'm happy regardless. Um, the only other thing I want to say is, though, this is like the perfect dream that the NFL has waited for, because how often does this happen where I actually think the last time it did happen was the Pittsburgh Steelers, where in a second year, you were quarterback leading his team to the Super Bowl. But Sans, Sans, like Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is second year starting, but second physical year in the league. You know, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, you know, even when – only he started one year as a rookie year. In his first full season, he won the MVP. Yeah. But there were still expectations for the Chiefs. Some people were laughing at us, you know, oh, we're going to finish last in the AFC North. On ESPN's AFC North uh, rankings for the season started, they didn't even talk about the Bengals possibly winning the AFC North. I know somebody who had the Bengals having two wins this season. You know, we had four wins a season ago. If we won the Super Bowl, we'll have four postseason wins this year. And it's crazy because I'm not trying to sound biased because, honestly – I, I cannot stand bias fans. And, you know, with all our success recently, there's been so many biased Bengals fans. But, you know, how everybody talks about, like, the Chiefs dynasty, they've won one Super Bowl in, like, four years. When you look at us, like, Jesse Bates is a free agent. But if you if you re-sign him, you re-sign some guys, maybe sign another big addition like you have the past two years, I, I don't know what's stopping this team from being here at very, uh, each year, at least in the AFC Championship game. Because, okay, Burrow, the way he's played this year, I think he's played better than Mahomes. I know that it's debatable, but Mixon, I mean, you give the edge to the Bengals on running back. You give them the edge at wide receiver on defense. So when you look at this team, I feel like even heading into this year, like our roster was much, much better than people uh, thought it was. And the other thing, too, is I had Zach Taylor second uh, second on my hot seats going into the year. Uh, first was obviously Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's still there. That's another topic for another day. But I even said, like, I thought this year was going to be, you know what, hey, Bengals could be that team knocking on the door, you know, they get a couple upset victories, like how you guys beat Tennessee last year. Um, but then even still, like like I said, I thought, just thought, not me trying to be, like, biased or rude. I'm just trying to say, 
I just thought it was like another year away kind of thing. You, you know how you see a lot of guys too, because you do not see many people recoup from an ACL injury this quickly. A lot of guys, like I remember Tom Brady when he tore his 2009, he came back. He was okay. 2010, he lit the league up. It was the first ever unanimous MVP of the NFL. So from that perspective, I was just trying to say that's where I had. That's why I had the Bengals at six and eleven, seven and ten speed, seed uh, seven and ten area seed. Excuse me, kind of like you know the season the Denver Broncos had, where you get some wins here that no one expected, but at the end of the day, you lose lose the games down the stretch. You need to to stay alive. Yeah, I did the recording uh, about an hour and a half ago with uh, a friend of mine, and you know we've been doing recordings probably about once a week for I don't know the past month and a half. You know he has his own separate podcast and. It honestly feels like every single time we talk with each other, we we both say, like, we aren't – it's crazy that we are here. It just doesn't seem like we should be here. We both agreed that – we honestly thought next year was our year, kind of like how you were saying. Yeah. Like, the fact that he's came – Maburro's came back from the injury, and in my opinion, I, I said it earlier on my show, I think it's the MVP. I know it's debatable. But the way he's played with a horrible offensive line and supposedly – you know, didn't have great weapons heading into the year. And one of the uh, best divisions in the NFL and the AFC North really shows that, I mean, how great Burrow is. And this is his first full season. I mean, imagine what year five and six is going to look like. But even still, though, I want to go back to the point you made earlier of how many guys are under the age of 26. Think about it. None of them are on these long-term deals. That's truly when you need to see teams prove themselves. Like, look at the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Patrick Mahomes' salary cap goes from $7 million to thirty-six next year. Burrow, Mixon's on a second deal. I know that, but you have Burrow, you have Higgins, and you have Chase. Those three guys, Chase on a rookie deal for at least the next two seasons. Burrow and Higgins, they'll get dealt with sometime down the line. But still, Burrow won't be making the big bucks until at least 2023 or 2020. Actually, no, uh, until maybe 2024 or 2025. So there's still a lot of time for – you guys that hit this rookie window. This is what every this is also the dream of a lot of NFL teams. It's kind of like that dragon the Buffalo Bills have been chasing, where they wanted to get Josh Allen in the window because Josh Allen's only got one more year left on his deal because his big deal kicks in next year. Um, look at that the Cowboys are out without Dak Prescott. Like you guys, it's it's honestly like I'm gonna coin a phrase from a Buffalo Bills fan friend of mine of the show. You guys are in wildest dreams land right now. It's like one of those things where it just seems like you don't want to be woken up. Uh, to quote a very famous wrestler, Cincinnati, I don't think is no longer mid. Um, shout out MJF. Uh, I know there was that infamous promo right before the season started, but I, just, I had to get it in there. Um, but to me, this whole team, it's just, like I said, caught fire at the right time. I know there were some people out there that were saying, oh, you guys rested your starters week 18 and everything like that. The Bengals could lose the Raiders. I was just like, let's stop that now. The Reason you guys rested them, look, you already had everything clinched. No need to do anything no further yourselves. And there's still one other piece that we've left out this entire time. I can't believe I haven't brought up yet. But maybe drafting a kicker was one of the better decisions the Bengals made this entire offseason. Look, money, big money McPherson. I know he helped me in fantasy a lot, but, man, this just must feel I, – I just can't believe to know the emotions you're going through right now. Yeah, when the Bengals drafted McPherson, you know, I have – you know, the, the Bengals fan page that I've had, and that's where, you know, I had the Bengals podcast, and now I have my own. But um, I posted um, – I, was, I wasn't I was mad at the McPherson pick. I was just frustrated where they took him because they took him in the fifth round. And McPherson was one of those guys that wanted the Bengals to draft, but I was kind of frustrated in the fact that we took him too early when there were some other 
you know, other players av- uh, available who were overall, in my opinion, better. But yeah. now it's like, you know, it's, it was a great pick. And if they would not have took him then, I mean, there was a report last week that Cleveland would have took him. And, I mean, that means McPherson could have, you know, beat us two games this year. So it's better off that we have him instead of Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Look, you got him. You got him. Like, look, and that's the other thing, too, with your team right now because compared to Cleveland, like, you could be in their position, look, where a lot of question marks at the most important position. But for the most part, I was going to put in this next gra- in this next ha- uh, graphic, I was going to put his full name. I had to put a nickname, though. I had to go, you know, Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, Joe Cool. Joe Shiesty just kind of came to me, and I'm like, I have to go with it. Did you know that he could be the first guy in history to win the Heisman, a Natty, and a Lombardi? No one has ever has, done it before. And he has a chance to do it in like a three-year span. I mean, exactly. it, it, it's insane. Yeah. And, can, can I say one other point about Burrow? What? You know how you're saying? You know how you were saying with Burrow that um, he should be the MVP. I feel like this is the sense where it comes into play that. MVP talk should go into the playoffs as well because there's a lot of the times, look, so many guys who get named MVP, it's for regular season play. Not saying Burrow had a bad regular season. I'm just saying, look, there's probably it's probably going to go to Tom or it's going to Rogers, like the, the safe pick like the Associated Press always did. You factor in the playoff play, though, it's a lock that it's Joe Burrow. The Bengals go out there and win on Sunday. It's Burrow that's winning the Super Bowl MVP and getting, I think it's a Chevy of some kind. Um, but all in all, like what more, what, like, I know I keep saying this, but like, oh, all in all, like, like I, like, remember I said in the intro, the first time you and I talked was two years ago. And I asked you about drafting Joe Burrow and what it felt like. I want to go back to that point two years ago. If two years ago, I had told you, you're going to draft this kid from LSU who had one good year in college, one of the best, not one good year, one of the best years in college football, excuse me. You're going to draft him two years later. He's going to be taking you to the Super Bowl. Would you have believed me? No, I would have thought I would have thought you were full crap. I thought you were messing with me. There being there being no way. Just because it's like one of those things where it's like, nah, it's too good to be true, and all this stuff. Like I know Patrick. Like like I said, like I'm going to stay off the Patrick Mahomes talk for now. Um, it's just one of those things too, where it just goes to show. Look, sometimes being underestimated is not the worst thing in the world. I've said this as a Pats fan all year. Where look, when there's no expectations, it makes it made the blow for us losing a little, not it didn't make it as bad. But for you guys, it must have been great because now you can kind of go out there with that FU mentality to the rest of the National Football League world. And it's always been that way because, you know, the, in my opinion, and I would say all Bengal fans who have been, you know, through the, the bad days and some of the good days, pretty much ever since like 2008, 2009, you know, since like Dalton and those playoff losses, they know that the NFL, it just seems like they hate the Bengals. And even when we have a big win, well, it doesn't matter until they win a playoff game. When we started in 2015, you know, we were the last undefeated team. They can go 16-0, but it doesn't matter if they win a playoff game. We got the playoff win off our back. We got our first uh, road victory in the postseason in franchise history. I mean, we won the AFC Championship game, and we're in the Super Bowl. And it's just pretty much, you know, that mentality, like, well, you don't think we're going to do it, but we're going to do it, and we're going to brag about a type of deal. Not trying to be, you know, boastful, but it's one of those things that nobody thought it was going to happen. I mean, I didn't even think this was going to happen this year, but it's just crazy. And it's one of those things. I feel like the underdog mentality of Joe Burrow, because you know he was not named on the Pro Bowl roster, 
But Lamar freaking Jackson was. Like, to me, that is so laughable. And then ever since that game, in my opinion, I think Joe Burrow has been the best quarterback in the league. If Burrow does not win the uh, MVP on Thursday, he'll probably end up winning the Super Bowl MVP and the Bengals win the Super Bowl on Sunday. And the other thing, too, is is what I cannot um, – oh, and by the way, the only – I just remember this now. The only other quarterback to win the Super Bowl in his second year starting was Russell Wilson. So that's that. Um, but you're right, though, in the sense with, um, with, with Thursday. He doesn't win MVP. He can go out there and win the Super Bowl. Because look at how many guys win MVP. They don't win the Super Bowl in the same year. Biggest example I know, like, is Lamar Jackson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes – uh, Brady in 17, which I still – I know I love Tom Brady. I know I had that little thing from off the top. But that was Carson Wentz's MVP, but his torn ACL, that's the reason why he lost. And the most infamous one to me, 2016, Matt Ryan. He won the MVP that year. They didn't win the Super Bowl. It's so weird because, you know, you look at those guys, and some of them, you know, that was – you know, for instance, that was pretty much Matt Ryan's only chance of winning, you know, the Super Bowl that year. Obviously, the blue to lead, you know, to, to your Patriots. And you look at some of those other guys, like – Mahomes didn't win his year. Rodgers didn't win his year. And you start thinking, like, those guys, they might have won an MVP, but there's a chance some of those guys at this point might not ever take their team to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl MVP. Like, Matt Ryan's not going to take the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, he's not going to take the Ravens to the Super Bowl. And it's so weird that when you have one of those few quarterbacks who are capable of winning the Super Bowl MVP and also win the MVP discussion. I, I understand. I understand. Look, I understand. But like I said, it's always that like chip that kind of puts you on. Like, it's not like that weird chip on your shoulder, you know, that he can kind of deal with now going forward. Um, but as a whole, the one next question I want to ask for you is what's the environment like in the city of Cincinnati? What's it been like for about the last month there now? Well, I'm not from Cincinnati. I'm about two and a half hours away from Huntington, oh. West Virginia. But okay, okay. I was I was at the um, Raiders playoff game. It was insane. Like, it was one of those deals. Like, I was at the Jets game in 2019 that had the lowest attendance in franchise history. And it's like, you didn't see, you know, nearly as many people back then as you do now. All these people who haven't been fans for years are coming back. And it, it was just a wild atmosphere. The, probably one of the craziest games I've ever been to uh, in Paul Brown Stadium. But it was just uh, amazing. I know some people have been, you know, some of the games recently. Uh, who went to Tennessee, who went to uh, Kansas City. It, it was amazing. I know a couple of people who are going to the Super Bowl. But just the atmosphere in Cincinnati, you know, at that Ra- uh, Raiders game was insane. And pretty much unlike other any other thing, uh, being a Bengals fan, a game I've been to, the only thing, only game in my opinion that I would say would be comparable was the um, playoff game against the Steelers in the 2015 season. Damn. Um, another quick question I have about Cincinnati. The uh, ballpark, I believe, is right down the street from uh, the actual stadium, correct? Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. I just, this is something I just wanted to make sure of because I have uh, – I've just heard stories that I knew that they kind of like all three like that and then the arena were right there, so that's all. I didn't realize you didn't live in West Virginia either. I thought you were a Cincinnati guy. Um, the next topic I want to get to – look, you see the name on the board. You see Jamar Chase. At the time of the draft, did you think it was the right pick, or were you like me and you thought the Bengals should have gone for Panay Sewell? I wasn't really one way or another. I was content with either one. I did feel like like Sewell would have helped us in the long run, but I felt like Chase, his immediate impact would have helped would have helped us like this year and next year type of deal. But I wasn't like 
dead set on Sewell or Chase. I would have been fine with either one. I know a couple of people who like, we had to take Panay Sewell or this was so stupid. Why do we take Chase? I know some people who have, you know, been supporters of Chase since like four or five months before the draft even uh, draft even happened. So I wasn't really one way or another. I would have been, I mean, I guess content with Sewell, but I'm definitely glad looking back that we ended up taking Chase. No, no, no. You gotta be, you gotta be. I know at the time, Offensive lineman was a position to go for, but this year's draft, I don't know how much research you've done into it already, but there are a lot of quality offensive linemen that are going to be available. So if you want to beef up the offensive linemen, add a couple guards, add a tackle, or even a center, which I think I've seen a lot of projections for you guys to get Tyler Lindenbaum, the center from Iowa. Um, it's it's the year to win the draft. This, this draft is not the most talented when it comes to offensive weapons or even quarterbacks, but if you need an offensive lineman, this is the year. Um... I'm the same, too. At first, I was like, when you got drafted Chase, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. But then I realized, I'm like, okay, Burrow's doing this. And then eventually, he took off. And I'm like, okay. Like, it was the pick. It was the right pick. It was one of those things where you can't – you can look at it now where you realize, well, look, the way both played this year, there's no – there was no – it's no, like, win-lose scenario. It was a win-win scenario. Like, no matter – I think no matter which guy you had gone for, it's just, I think, drafting – picture it like a Sunday. And drafting Sewell, you have the Sunday. But drafting Chase, you have, like, the cherry on top. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I feel like, you know, a big part of our success this season obviously has been to the chemistry between Burrow and Chase. But if we would have drafted Pene Sewell, you know, I've told a couple of people, not only would we not be in the Super Bowl AFC Championship game, we would not even be in the playoffs. We would not have won the AFC North. I honestly think if we would have took Panay Sewell, even though he's you know been really good this year as well, I don't think we would have been over 500 this year we would have took Panay Sewell. And I feel like the, with the chase factor, I mean, he's a big reason why we've been so much success and you know a, a huge factor. With, with Sewell, he can't make the as big of an impact play as Chase, you know, having a five-yard pass uh, and turning into like a 50-yard run for a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where you have a weapon that at any time it's just kind of like going from zero to a hundred. That's it's, it's literally it. Where it's like you said, you can get a nice catch, but that's those yak. That it's all about the yak, baby. It's all about the yak. Um, before we get to other NFL news and notes with the Super Bowl, look, we'll talk about the game in a minute. I want to ask you personally, not only to yourself, and I know you're not from Cincinnati, but you probably know enough Bengals fans, at least more than me. What would this Super Bowl win this Sunday mean, not only to you, but to Bengals fans everywhere? I mean, I've been a Bengal fan since 2007, 2008. And, I mean, it's just – I mean, it, it would mean the world because, like, you wake up on a Sunday and during football season, and if the Bengals win or lose, that's going to determine, you know, how – or if, if it's a good day or bad day. I mean, it's going to ruin your week if the Bengals lose type of deal. And – I had season tickets from 2007 to 2015. So, I mean, I used to go to games like all, all the time and to see the progress that we've made and if we end up winning the Super Bowl, it would just be, I don't know. It, it's, it's really hard to put into words what it would mean because for years and years and years, people have made fun of us and, you know, doubted us. And I mean, even when we took Chase, you know, people were complaining. And around here, you know, there's a ton of Ohio State fans and even in the 2020 draft, some people are wanting us to take like Chase Young over Burrow, which it's, it's like crazy because like people have, I, I don't know, it, it's hard to explain really. It, it would mean so much because people always 
make fun of us and say, oh, that wasn't the right move. The Bengals suck and all that. But I, I, it's really hard to put in the words. It would be surreal. It would probably be the best moment and day of my life if we were able to win it. And for Cincinnati, for you know, a city who has not, not had winning success in years, you know, the, the Reds have not won a championship in over 30 years. The Bengals have never won a Super Bowl ever. And the fact that we, you know, the uh, playoff win streak is finally over. And I, I just really feel like, I mean, if we end up winning the Super Bowl, when they have the uh, Super Bowl parade, I think on Wednesday, it is going to be insane. I'm not going to say it's going to be as crowded as Cleveland with LeBron with the Cavs, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of up there in total numbers. It, it would just be insane. You know what? I love the passion. I love the energy because, like I said, for the first time in a long time, this is a team where going into the year there wasn't an expectation to get to the Super Bowl. Like, if you look at the last few, like, L.A., they're supposed to be here. Last year, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, both of them were supposed to be there. Um, same thing, too, in 2020 with the Niners and the uh, Chiefs. There's even the Eagles in 2017. I know that was an underdog story. They were still – they had one of the buys. They were a team that was supposed to be there. So to see a team truly, truly overcome adversity by them, when I say adversity, I mean by the critics, by, you know, all the football people. Like how you say, there's people out there who don't want to see these small market teams thrive. I think this would mean a lot just because of how blue-collar Cincinnati – you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Cincinnati to me seems like a pretty blue-collar city, you know, like just hardworking and all that stuff where, like you said – I'm not. Too, I know I'm a Pats fan, but I'm not too far from Buffalo, and I know whenever I go there, those people live, eat, sleep, and breathe Buffalo Bills football. I know for Cincinnati, it's probably the exact same thing for the Bengals. So I can't only imagine if you guys were to hoist the Lombardi in five days, what it would mean to Bengals fans everywhere, and especially the people in the city of Cincinnati and surrounding Ohio, and I want to say northern Kentucky area. Yeah, um, Cincinnati is literally like right across the river from Kentucky. So a lot of the um, Cincinnati uh, Bengal fans are con- like from Kentucky too. So like I'm from like three hours away from Cincinnati and even West Virginia is not really far from Cincinnati either. So there's kind of like a tri-state area just full of like Bengal fans. True, true. No, I got you. I got you. But was I right about the blue collar stuff or is that is Cincinnati a little bit more of a like, – I yeah, don't mean like, uh, a ba- like a bad city. You know what I mean? Where it's just like a lot of hardworking American people. Yeah, I could get that. Like, hardworking people. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Okay, okay. Uh, before we shift to the game, just got to bring up one thing. We have a new team name in the NFL. Only thing I got to say about it is, look, I don't care about the team name. Uh, I think this is what happens when you're forced to do a corner because sponsorships are threatened to pull out. I don't have a problem with the name. I don't have a problem with the jerseys. Um, I'll say this, though. Winning makes everything better. So if the Commanders are a winning football team, no one's going to say anything. The Commanders suck different story i don't really understand the name like when they announced they want to change the redskins to the washington football team i thought that was the stupidest name of all time but it's one of those things the more you say it it kind of sounds catchy and it's not really as stupid as what you think it is the more you say it the more you hear it i honestly come would kind of prefer the washington football team over the commanders like that's basically naming a nfl team but close to a gi joe character like cobra commander like I, i just don't get that like you can't have a, a chance with command, like it, it just commanders. It just doesn't sound right. But um, I mean, it, like you said, it's one of those things like when there's so much pressure on you and you kind of rush stuff, it, it's just kind of doomed for a disaster. Well, I only say the rush stuff because I know their owner was very 
hesitant, not hesitant, but he was very stubborn. That's the word to change the name. He was just like, you know, it's my way or the highway. I'm not changing the name. And then sponsors started to pull out after the whole Black Lives Matter movement really picked up in 2020. And that's when a lot of people realized, hey, look, you got to change the name. So they did football team. But I'm with you. If they had kept football team, I don't think anyone would have had a problem with it. I think we all got kind of got used to it. And then you just go and change the name all of a sudden to Commanders. Uh, I know it has ties just as the Navy ties because they're not that far from Annapolis, Maryland, and D.C. Obviously, there's a big Navy presence. So that's, that's I think, the reason why the name ties in. And at the same time, too, I'm glad they didn't change the color scheme completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. It's one of those things that I feel like a couple of years from now, I mean, I guess we'll be used to it. But just right now, I just it's just kind of strange. Kind of like how you see, like, the Supersonics. You know, some of these teams change names, but after a few years – it just you kind of get used to it. Exactly, exactly. That's like uh, I have the same thing here with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they changed their logos over the years and stuff that people don't like, and then eventually everyone just got used to it. Um, the next thing I want to talk about because it's obviously been in the news for a while, like the head coaching cycle is coming on, but the Brian Flores lawsuit I don't think is going away anywhere. Um, I know a lot of people are saying he's gonna get he could get blackballed like Kaepernick. I personally don't. I think someone will eventually take a stab at hiring him. But for teams to basically come out and say, I don't know if you saw this, but Nick Casario, the GM of the Texans, came out and said, oh, it has nothing to do with that. Um, I wanted to be like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock, because if you come out and publicly say, yeah, it has to do with the lawsuit, you're going to get so much backlash. So it's one of those things where, for his case, better nothing said than uh, better to say nothing than nothing at all, or um, better to say something than nothing at all, excuse me. But with this head coaching cycle, it proves how much the system's broken. Because, look, only – I know Mike McDaniel is considered to be uh, biracial and Lovey Smith, obviously, is African-American. But the fact that outside of that, it's all the same repeated cycle, just old white guys coming in. It tr- This lawsuit, I think, is going to bring to light more the fact that it's the, what we knew all along. That the Rooney Rule was complete bullshit set up by the NFL. And the fact that these guys are just going to hire who they want and they're not going to care about, oh, oh, sorry, we didn't hire an African-American guy. We just hired a guy we liked. Um, the Denver Broncos stuff is a little uh, disturbing, especially if found it to be true, the whole apparently them showing up disheveled and hung over. But, look, let's like I said, we need more diversity in the NFL. In a league where a lot of your player base is African-American, you need more than just two predominantly African-American head coaches in the NFL. And uh, I saw a tweet a couple of days ago and like how, you know, you only have so many like characters that you can have on, you know, Twitter, so many letters. And I saw yeah. something that somebody tweeted every single minor- minority coach in NFL history, a head coach in just one tweet. I mean, that is surreal and insane. It really goes to show how many like few uh, minority coaches have had a chance to be head coach. And you look at some of these guys like Leftwich, the enemy, um, but somebody else, cannot think of the top of my head, but, um, you know, some of these guys who deserve, you know, chances, but it's, it's just weird. Like Lovey Smith, I know he's a, you know, African-American, but honestly, I, I don't get that hired at all. Like I think Leftwich or be enemy or, uh, Brian, Brian floors, all would have made more sense than Lovey Smith, but, um, I don't know. Hopefully those guys, you know, get a chance soon. Yeah. Um, my big thing with, uh, left, which we'll wait and see. I want to see how he does his first year without Tom. I think that's going to go a far way. Nothing to do with his, nothing to do with race. I'm just saying with coaching ability as a whole, I want to see how he does with a quarterback. That's not the goat. And with Eric B I have a sneaking suspicion that he's being told that once Andy Reed retires, he's going to get the Kansas city job. I've been saying that for a few years now. 
I think that's just something I personally think. I'm not like I'm just thinking that. Look, I think Patrick's probably really campaigning for him, but at the same time, too, I feel like they may tell him, "Hey, if you stick around being an OC for a while, and Andy's getting up there in age, um, maybe if Andy Reid does step down, they say Eric, Eric, job's all yours." That's that's just that's just something that that's just me though. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and he was talking about you know the the problem you know with the lack of minority coaches, head coaches in the NFL, and he was bringing up my, uh, the enemy. And I kind of told him the same thing. It's like you think at this point, you know, Bienemy, you know, he's when you think of, you know, coaches who have potential to be head coach, Bienemy's more than likely one of the top people you would, you know, top of the list, you know, one of the top people. And the more you think about it, I don't understand why he would leave. Like your assist, your offense coordinator to the Chiefs have one of the best offenses in the NFL. You could be Reed's successor, which I was telling him the other day. I think it makes more sense, like, kind of like how you're saying, when you think about it, because he's getting up there in age. And unless there's like a dream job, I just don't get why you would leave because you, you're in such a great place right now where if you lose, it'll be more so on Reed or, you know, a home struggles. You're not going to get the blame as if you were a head coach. You're not going to get nearly as much as a blame as your offense coordinator uh, for one of the best teams in the NFL. And with, with Leffridge, um, I'm kind of, uh, I guess, biased towards him uh, because, like I said, I'm from Huntington and he played at Marshall, which is from here. So um, I'm, I'm a big Leftwich fan, and um, I'm really interested to see, you know, Leftwich with Tampa Bay because I wouldn't be shocked if they bring back Winston uh, this season because he's a free agent. So I think that'll be pretty interesting. It, it, w- it will be. It will be. Um, there's the other coach there that I don't think should be a head coach again. That's Todd Bowles. Nothing, nothing to do. Nothing to do with race. I just know him. He was just. He wasn't a good head coach for the Jets. It's one of those guys where. There's a lot of guys in the NFL like this. You're a better coordinator than you are a head coach. We'll, we'll see how certain guys do this year. But all in all, the NFL has a head coaching problem, and it's it's got to get fixed. I don't think it'll get fixed anytime soon, though, because these guys are just going to do what they want. But at the same time, too, the fact now that this lawsuit's coming ahead, I think we'll do more good than negative for the league that people think. I think a lot of people think this could be a negative light. I think it's going to be a positive shining light. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like the next couple of years, there's going to be, you know, more mi- minority coaches, you know, with the enemy, possibly, you know, if he's a successor, Leftwich, Floors, which I still don't get how he was fired and, you know, hopefully some other ones. Exactly. I think there will be there, there will be more. There will be more. There are minority head coaches, like obviously Ron Rivera, there's Robert Salah, but for African-American is the main problem. The fact that there's only the two now. Obviously, Rivera being Hispanic and Salah being of Lebanese descent. So we'll wait and see. But I think, like I said, the NFL's. I think I'm hopeful that they move in a positive direction because remember, the coaching carousel just stopped. In 11 months from now, we're going to be talking about this all over again because there's going to be another five, six, seven, eight jobs that are all needing available availability. I could already tell you three coaches I think could be fired by the end of 2022. Yeah, I feel like this. This upcoming season to 2022 regular season, there's there's going to be tons of coaches in the hot seat. I know you you've mentioned uh, Kingsbury on my show several times. I think he's up there. You know Stefanski with Cleveland, and there's several other ones. So you kind of wonder if that's when those guys, like I've mentioned, like the enemy floors left, which if they can you know step into one of those positions. And I've seen some people like say Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis has done so much at Cincinnati throughout the years. And if he wants to be a head coach, I definitely think he should be in consideration. But to me, I feel like he's one of those guys. It's just really hard seeing him coaching again. I feel like Cincinnati's mean so much to him. I know lots of people brought him up and, and you know different things that he should be considered. I just don't think he'll ever be a head coach again in the NFL because 
Cincinnati means so much to him. I, I just don't see him being with somebody else. He also seems like he's doing very well at uh, Arizona State under Herm Edwards as well. Yeah, I think he's been there about two seasons. And, you know, that's something else. You know, if it wasn't for Herm Edwards, I, I don't think he would be back to coaching. And, you know, I, I think maybe he'll stay with college or something else. But maybe, you know, if he wants to be an assistant in the NFL, if he's, you know, somebody who's, he's familiar with. Uh, but I, I just don't see him being a head coach again in the NFL. I'm the same. I'm the same. Just because there's a certain point where you get the guys at certain ages that are just like kind of old for it. Obviously, Bill Belichick's a lone exception for obvious reasons. But I think for certain guys, like I want to give a great example too. look at Bill Cowher when he retired. He went to TV and everyone I think when a lot of coaches go to TV, people think, hey, like they're going to go for a couple of years, but then opportunities going to get knocking or they're going to get that itch again. But a lot of these guys, they go and they do TV and they get like that. Hey, you know what? I, I can make my money. I can live comfortably. I don't have to work from five o'clock in the morning to like midnight. I can live a very stress-free life. So I think when a lot of guys get those TV contracts handed out to them, they it's really hard to walk away. Like I know Tony Dungy had the same thing. And even to probably probably to an extent, Jimmy Johnson, I don't know because he's been a Fox for so long, but I know Cower and Dungy were always in that. Oh, are they going to go back? Or are they going to stay? But they they always end up they always end up staying. Like look, even Rex Ryan's doing it right now too at ESPN. Yeah, I, I was about to say Rex Ryan. You know, that's a that's a great example. Some of these guys who, you know, there's a lot less risk and you know being an analyst somewhere opposed to being a head coach because you know you don't got to wake up as early and you're still getting paid you know quite a bit too. So I mean, there's some. There, I feel like there's more positives being an, an analyst uh, analyst than opposed to being a head coach when it's not necessary to be. And you only work one day a week. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, that'd be, that's the dream right there. Imagine how you go one day a week and you're making like 10 to $15 million a season. It must be, must be nice. Maybe less, maybe more. I don't know. I just know Romo makes a lot of money for calling games. Um, before, obviously folks, like I said before, before we talk about the actual game itself, uh, I got to give a very special shout out to a new company that I have partnered with here. Um, Jordan, I don't know how big, are you big into sports gambling at all or? I just turned 21 in July, so I'm, I'm I've been looking at a lot of stuff recently. I've been I've been trying to get into it. Okay, okay. Well, if you're trying to get into it, I don't know what um, sports books there are available in West Virginia, but I have recently been uh, a, not appointed, but I recently have been given the position of ambassador by a great company called BetStamp. What BetStamp is is they are a company. It's an app. So basically, you go on the app. And it will show you all the different odds from all the different kinds of sports. Like there's NHL in there, there's NBA, Major League Baseball when that comes back, NFL, college, basketball, and football, other sports. You basically go on there. It'll give you all the odds from various sports books, and it'll basically help you win. You can follow uh, verified bet stamp ambassadors to base who will or bet, bet stamp betters who will basically have odds who will win. So you can kind of track odds and track details. You can also connect your sports books to bet stamp. And what's best of all, Jordan, is if you do join or if anyone out there listening joins BetStamp, use the promo code GRIFFB because, you know, what, it helps your buddy out a little bit. So when you download BetStamp or if you want to connect any sports book to your BetStamp account, remember, guys, promo code GRIFFB, that is G-R-I-F-F-B. Download the BetStamp app available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Link in by all the link for the download links will be in the by in the description for the episode, both on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for bearing with that, Jordan. I just have to get the words in. You know, got to pay the bills around here. Um, let's talk the Super Bowl. You know what? Let's let's finish off this podcast strong. That's why you're here. Look, I don't know. I don't know Rams fans, but I knew a Bengals fan, and as soon as they won, I was like, 
I got to get this guy on. Um, before we talk about the Rams side of things, because that's what we got to do, because I know, look, you're the Bengals fan. You're wearing your Bengals jersey. I assume it's Joe Burrow. Uh, Tyler Boyd. Ooh, Tyler Boyd. Okay, okay, okay. I want to ask – I'm going to ask you a few questions right now. Um, not a few, but the biggest question of them all. I was going to ask you a few. It's going to be one. What do the Cincinnati Bengals have to do on Sunday to be victorious? Um, I, I would say, I mean, there's a couple of different things. And I would say there's a couple of different things for both teams to have a you know great chance of winning. I would say limit the amount of sacks uh, that Joe Burrow has. You know, try to not get him sacked. And I would say kind of the opposite you know, side of the ball, pressure Matthew Stafford. Because when you look at Matthew Stafford's stats, when there's no pressure and when there is pressure – there is a significant uh, gap between, you know, his production of play. So I think that's big, especially when you look at, you know, Matthew Stafford is not one of those guys who can escape out of the pocket very well. because He's one of the few uh, pocket passers left in the league. And when Burrow, uh, we can give him, you know, a f- when you look at his record, when he's been sat three times or less, it is insane. But when he's been sat four times or more, we are basically god-awful. So I feel like those are some of the keys of the game. Exactly, because that's the one thing, too, I heard today on the radio up here. They actually had uh, Mark Sherlock, excuse me, former NFL offensive lineman, uh, current analyst for Fox. And he was basically saying with Aaron Donald, like, he's going to beat you. He, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. He was just making the point of, like, it's gonna, it's, it's just one of those things where it's he's one of those talents that's so elite where it's going to happen. I just feel like if you're the Bengals offensive line, you got to worry about stopping him. But I think if it's all you do, you're just going to cause pressure for other other guys, Leonard Floyd, Vaughn Miller, to get around and get pressure on the quarterback. Um, my big thing with that, though, is, and this is what impressed me most about the AFC Championship game, was the play when Joe Burrow nearly got sacked by Chris Jones and got out of it and still got the first down. That's when I was like, okay, the Bengals can the Bengals can win this game. But for Sunday, I think it's simple. Let Joe be Joe. I think if you let him play his game, I think if you let him get the ball out, because like I'm saying, and I'm for one, I cannot wait to see the Jamar Chase, Jalen Ramsey showdown. That's going to be one hell of a showdown on Sunday. I think it's going to be about more really getting guys like Higgins, Boyd, Mixon. We'll see how, what capacity CJ Uzama's in. We'll see. I hope, I hope he is at hundred percent, but I think it's those guys. Cause a lot of times with these Super Bowls, when you always look at it, you have the, guys who stand out but at the same time too last year it was Antonio Brown who's a huge role for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl not Mike Evans not Chris Godwin so I think if the Bengals want to win you got to get all three receivers as heavily involved and we saw that in the AFC Championship game look Samaji P. Ryan had a touchdown T. Higgins had a career had a really good day yardage wise I think he had at least 70 or 80 receiving yards um for both sides of the ball and I do agree with you less pressure let the quarterbacks be the quarterbacks. I think if you try, like you can obviously do trick plays. This is literally when you put everything on the table to win the game. But I think for both Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford, no matter who wins, you gotta play, you gotta play the game. You know, don't try to be a quarterback. You're not, don't try to get like a like fancy and all this stuff. Cause I've been saying this all year and I know I said I was going to push it to the side, but I'm bringing it back in. I feel like a reason why Mahomes didn't have as good of a season as he did. And also why I took a lot of wacky sacks against you guys. He's always going for that sports center play. You know, the play where you hear the da-da-da, da-da-da. I've been saying that all year. And I feel like with Mahomes, when it happens naturally, it's good. But when it's forced is when he is bad. So that's the thing. 
if you're the Bengals defense, force Matt Stafford to make those plays. When you force him to make those plays, he's going to have a bad time. He's going to turn over the ball. We saw in the Bucs game. Joe Burrow, look, I know a lot of people are worried about the Rams front, not front seven. He had nine sacks against him in the game against Tennessee, and you guys still won. So I don't think that's going to come into play unless it's just Paul, like just. I personally think with this Bengals team, like I said, let, let Joe be Joe, but at the same time, too, just go out there and chuck the ball. If you, I think the bigger battle is going to be uh, Jalen Ramsey and Taylor Rapp dealing with the guys in the uh, Los Angeles secondary more than anything else. And even, too, on Sunday, seeing guys like Jesse Bates go up against Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham Jr., it's going to be those It's going to be those games. This game is going to be one of the tr- – for as much as this game can be one of the trenches, it's truly going to be one downfield. And you mentioned, you know, you, when you look at a guy like Boyd or Higgins, Uzama, Mixon, they need to get involved. And it's not just Chase. When, you know, Uzama plays and he has 35 yards or more in a game, the Bengals are 6-1. of one. And I'm not trying to have biased stat to the Bengals, but I think that stuff like that is important because Uzama is never, ever, ever going to be a guy who's going to get you like 80, 90 yards and a touchdown like those uh, Higgins, Boyd, and Chase. But he can kind of take the pressure a little bit off Chase and for him trying to get open every single play. And it's going to be difficult for him to get open at times you know, going up against Ramsey. So I feel like when you have uh, guys like Uzama, Boyd, and Higgins in your back pocket if Chase isn't open, I mean, that's going to be impossible to stop if you're the Rams. And even when you look at, you know, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon the past month has been catching the balls in the backfield more than he has like his whole uh, career with the Bengals which I something, in my opinion, I don't think is really being talked about enough. And that's that's also a situation where, like, you know, throw balls to Mixon, if it's a screen, it's a lot less likely of a play to get sat. So that's something else that can kind of try to do so a bird doesn't get sat. But I feel like those guys, like, aside from Chase, you know, I feel that like Chase is going to do fine. But these other guys, like Boyd and Higgins, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of have more uh, productive stats than Chase on Sunday. I wouldn't be either. Um you brought up a good point with Uzama. He's not a guy like, you know, where a Travis Kelsey, where his availability can make or break a game. But if he can go out there and make a couple of key plays, basically plug him in, make him play. And you know what? He can be there and reliable. It's that means more than what you think. I know a lot of people can take that as a biased stance. The, this is the one thing I've realized ever since I started this podcast two years ago. I've seen things a lot clearer now with other teams and you start to see certain things. Like, C.J. Uzama reminds me in a way of, like, Dawson Knox. You know, he'll have a few games here or there where he has, like, a, just mind-blowing stats and he has great games. But he has a couple games, you know, where Josh Allen can count on him. Josh Allen can rely on him to make a play when he needs him to make a play. C.J. Uzama's kind of a, a similar stance. I'm not saying they're on the same level. It's like, I have Dawson Knox in the top five, a top ten tight end. Not, like, top seven to eight tight end in the NFL right now. Uzama's up there, too. But I feel like with C.J. Uzama, look it's one of those things where it's like a security blanket for Joe Burrow. And those kind of players go a long way in this league. You know, I was telling, you know, somebody on my episode of our video a little bit ago. And when you look at our wide receivers with Chase Higgins and Boyd, I would say pretty much for the most part, everybody would say Chase is the best one, which I mean would be true. But honestly, out of those three between Higgins, Boyd and Chase, I feel like Boyd, I feel like he's probably the most underrated receiver in the NFL, probably along with DJ Moore, the Panthers. And I would say out of those three, I feel like he's the most reliable. If you need a crucial third down, he's going to be one of those guys who do it. 
I know people have talked about, you know, Jamar Chase's uh, issues uh, with drops have uh, been a problem at times, which is true. But I feel like some of these guys like Uzama and Boyd, who have been here for quite some time, I mean, they're not going to have those 150-yard games. But, I mean, they, they can be reliable if you need a uh, first down here and there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, before I get you out of here, I know which way you're leaning. I know who you're going to be picking. Do you have a score prediction, or do you have a player you think that's going to have a big game? I'm going to say 27-24 Bengals. Um, McPherson will have two full goals and will have three touchdowns. The Rams will have three touchdowns and one full goal. I don't know why. I just feel like McPherson's going to give us a game-winning full goal to win it. We've seen that so many times this season. Uh, the guy I know who we did a video a little bit ago, uh, in the AFC Championship game, he caught a game-winning full goal by McPherson. And you look at it, I mean, if we have a game-winning full goal, as time expires by Evan McPherson, it's just the icing uh, on top. You know, it would be amazing. And it would just be fantastic. And really the great end of a storybook a season, a fairy tale season, basically, for the Bengals, if we were to end up winning the Super Bowl 56 against the Rams in their, uh, in their home stadium. 100%. 100%. Uh, well, anyway, uh, I, I love the energy. I love your excitement. Um, I wish you nothing but the best on Sunday. Like I said before, I know what it feels like to be in this position. It's a little nerve-wracking, but at the same time, you're very, very excited. Uh, but if people want to hear your notes and news, if you want to hear anything from you this week, what's going to be going on next week, or even if you're going to be doing something before the Super Bowl, this is your chance to plug yourself on social media. Take it away. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, S. Dude Show. I'm not really on there a ton, uh, but Instagram, The Sports Dude Hind Show. Uh, and obviously on YouTube, you know, The Sports Dude Hind Show. I try to have a couple of live videos a week. Uh, like I said, I did one earlier today. I'm more than likely doing one uh, tomorrow where we kind of talk about our predictions and who we think should, you know, win some of the NFL awards and stuff like that. Also kind of be talking a little bit more about the Super Bowl. I have a, a little bit of a pregame special on Sunday for the, you know, Bengals Rams matchup. And, you know, yeah, I most of my content is NFL related mixed with a lot of Bengals stuff, but yeah, you can definitely follow me on, um, you know, Instagram and tw uh, Twitter and subscribe to my channel, uh, the sports behind show on YouTube. Love to hear it. Love to see it. Uh, it'll be everything folks in the links and all the bios below. Well, anyway, folks, this has been episode number 151 of YWC Football Talk. Jordan, thank you very much for coming on once again. Um, like I said, good luck Sunday. I'll be rooting for you guys. I wish you uh, wish you nothing but the best. And as for the title for this episode, there's only four words that I could go with. Welcome to the jungle. Good night, everyone. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 
wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.